Welcome into the Friday edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. Alongside me, as always, is 4 for 4 Senior Editor John Paulson. How are we doing today, John? I'm doing pretty good, Anthony. How are you doing today? Good, good. A lot to get to today, including the latest on the Ezekiel Elliott drama. But before we get get into that, tell us about the music that helped bring us in today. Uh, Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite tracks from the the year 2014. Uh, it's, It's called Let Go. Uh, it's by RAC. He's actually like a, a DJ. Um, I believe it stands for Radio Artist Collective, but I'm not, no, Remix Artist Collective. It's called, it stands for. Uh, but the, uh, the DJ is Andre Alan Anos, and he's a Portuguese guy, but he, he does all these remixes of these songs that I like. And this is actually an original song called uh, Let Go. It uh, features Keely and MDR on vocals. It's off his 2014 uh, album, Strangers. And it's just ridiculously good. If you like that, um, check out uh, Back of the Car, which features uh, Nate Hendricks. That came out in 2015. All right. We've already got one game under the books for Week 10. It was a Seahawks victory last night. If you're a gambler and you took the Seahawks minus six, congratulations on that blocked extra point. You wound up with a push. That was huge. If you had it the other way, that's not good because it looked like a pure backdoor cover for the Cardinals. From a fantasy perspective, John, I thought it kind of played out the way we expected. Russell Wilson was incredible, had two touchdowns on uh, two, uh, 22 of 32 passing. The yardage was only 238, but he made a, an unbelievable play, kind of a backyard football-style play to find Doug Baldwin in the second half. Baldwin had a nice night, five receptions, 95 yards. No surprise, Seattle couldn't run the football. Adrian Peterson looks like he didn't bounce back on only four days rest because he only had 29 yards rushing on 21 carries. It's not that Arizona didn't try to run the football. They just couldn't. And and then my biggest takeaway, honestly, John, before we get to your, your take, is that Larry Fitzgerald wasn't hampered by Drew Stanton. He had 10 catches, 14 targets, and 113 yards. What was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he got a lot of that in garbage time, and there's going to be some garbage time uh, catch-up mode uh, for this team going forward with uh, Drew Stanton at quarterback. Um, Cause I, I looked at midway, I think through the third quarter and he didn't have, wasn't having a very good game. I think he had 30 something yards at that point, but I may, may be mistaken. Cause I was just looking at the box scores last night. Uh, I thought Paul Richardson uh, actually I was, I had Lockett ahead of Paul Richardson due to the Richardson groin injury, but he ended up playing and catching a 43 yard pass. He only had two targets. Tyler Lockett only had two targets uh, caught one for 16 yards. So, you know, 238 yards passing for the for the Seahawks. Most of it goes to Baldwin. Both touchdowns go to to Jimmy Graham. So he has a huge night, and that kind of takes away from everybody else. Uh, you know, you, I was thinking more like a four for 60 for Lockett, and maybe a three for 50 or something for Paul Richardson. Um, so those numbers didn't really happen due to uh, Graham dominating the touchdowns and, and Baldwin dominating the, the receiving yards so much. And um, you know, Wilson predictably had a a good game. He was my number one quarterback this week. Uh, I was expecting a little more yardage than that and maybe a little bit more rushing yards, but that's the way it goes. And then for the, for the, uh, for the Cardinals, they're really the only dependable player uh, is Larry Fitzgerald. And even he's going to have some clunkers probably with Drew Stanton. Uh, The nice thing about Fitzgerald is that he's typically matched, matched up with uh, uh, slot cornerbacks, nickel cornerbacks, and uh, he's going to typically dominate those, those matchups and Stanton definitely is looking his way. He targeted him uh, 14 times on 47 uh, pass attempts. So he's still going to be heavily used in this offense. 
Okay, John, as of noon Eastern on Friday, Ezekiel Elliott <laughs> is suspended. Okay, so this could change 24 more times, although it looks like this this one's going to stick. The Second Circuit Court of Appeals has denied Elliott's motion for an injunction, immediately reinstating that six-game suspension. Elliott has been granted uh, an appeal of the larger case. His official appeal is still pending, but as of right now, he's out of uh, legal cards to play, so he will be suspended for Week 10, and he's not eligible to return until Week 16. So do you like Alfred Morris as as an RB1 or an RB2 against the Falcons? And what do you think about Darren McFadden and some of these other players for the Cowboys? Yeah, just first to go back to Elliott, he has a um, some kind of a hearing for his appeal on December 1st, but he can't play uh, for sure until then. Uh, that would put him out three weeks, uh, probably four, because he's unlikely to you know win his hearing on December 1st and be able to play on the 3rd. Uh, so you're losing him for at least four games, probably six. That's where we're at with it. Um, if you're if you're looking pretty good for the playoffs and you have Elliott on your roster, uh, just having him in your back pocket for a, a home game against um, Seattle uh, sounds pretty good. So you know, hold on to him if you can. We're past our buys. We should be able to just stash him and be able to plug him in in Week 16 when he comes back. Uh, you know, maybe you get a bonus and he wins his appeal and you get an extra uh, extra game out of it, uh, extra two games out of it potentially. Um, and then on the flip side with uh, the backups coming in, uh, Alfred Morris is expected to be the lead back. Uh, Rod Smith is supposed to be heavily involved. Now Rod Smith is, I was looking at his college stats. He's a, I mean, he was a fullback uh, for Ohio state. Um, unless I got the wrong Rod Smith, but <laughs> he's the one of the Cowboys. Uh, so you, I wouldn't expect too much from him. I would think that Morris or McFadden would uh, eventually win that uh, lead back job. If, if uh, you know, depending on who's having more success, I think uh, Smith's not a real good pass catcher either. Obviously Morris is not a good pass catcher. So uh, Darren McFadden probably gets all of almost all of Ezekiel Elliott's uh, pass catching duties. Uh, So he's, he starts to get in there as a potential PPR back, uh, you know, like a Duke Johnson type where he's getting a handful of carries and four or five catches per game, potentially Uh, that's McFadden. So he's, 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 you you could look at him in in PPR formats as a flex option. Uh, And then Morris probably getting all, almost all of the uh, rushing attempts. Um, Maybe not all, but 75%, 80% of them. And then Rod Smith and McFadden getting the other, the remainder. So, uh, Morris definitely has better value in standard formats. Uh, the, it's a little bit closer, I think, in PPR between Morris and McFadden. But the wild card is Smith because how much are they going to use this guy? Uh, his athletic measurables aren't great, um, but he's been playing ahead of uh, McFadden this whole time, partly due to um, special teams play, but um, still active ahead of McFadden this whole time. So we'll see how this shakes out uh here in week 10. And by the way, the Panthers rushed for 201 yards in that 2017 victory against the Falcons last week. I know that's the Carolina, and I know that there's some elements there where Cam Newton was um, doing doing some read option. And, you know, that that's kind of it kind of sets up well for Dallas. I think I'm going to put 
Alfred Morris. I, I imagine he's going to be cheap in a lot of DFS leagues, John. I'm going to put Alfred Morris in a bunch of my DFS leagues this 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 week. Well, yeah, if I just want to add with Morris, because I think people are looking at his recent uh, yards per attempt, uh, potentially, and you know, 3.5 last year for Dallas, 3.7 for for Washington um, in 2015. Uh, and then, you know, he obviously started off at rookie year, 4.8, 4.6 in the second year, 4.1 as in 2014. Um, but, you know, this year on 14 carries, he's got 116 yards. He's looked good. He, and he's been running ahead of McFadden. So Dallas obviously likes him. He's averaging 8.3 yards per uh, attempt. And um, uh, I think he can come in here behind a good offensive line. This line's playing better. They got kind of a slow start, but uh, they're up in the top five again and just uh, line yards um, uh, over at Football Outsiders. So the, the, the offensive line's blocking well again. So I think uh, McFa- uh, I'm sorry, Morris is a pretty good play. We'll stick with that matchup uh, for two more notes. Des Bryant, he's got the ankle and the knee injuries. He says he's going to play against the Falcons in week 10. He's yet to practice this week. He plans to do so on Friday. So we're, we're ahead of some of this practice news. If Des Bryant is ready to go, I'd, I'd play him against Atlanta. If not, John, I'm I'm going to pick up – I've already picked up Terrence Williams. It's a late game. So as soon as those inactives come out, if Bryant is inactive, I'm going to go with Terrence Williams. Good plan? Yeah, I mean, with the 125 kickoff where it's a little dicey, if he's questionable and it's a game-time decision, you know, he said he's going to play, but what, is, you know, what does that mean? Does that, is he fully effective? Is he – you know, game time decision. Then the doctors say that he can't play. Uh, that might be the case. Uh, Bryce Butler is another option besides Terrence Williams. Cole Beasley is another option. Uh, if any, if if Bryant sits, all three of those guys—Williams, uh, Beasley, and uh, Bryce Butler—are all going to see a bump in um, in targets probably and uh, are playable against Atlanta. One final note on this game: Julio Jones did return to practice today. Today being Friday, so if you're a Julio Jones owner. Get him in the lineup, and John, if he doesn't drop easy touchdown passes, maybe he'll have a big, big day against Dallas. Yeah, he would have had a monster day uh, last week if he had uh, caught the touchdown, and then uh, Matt Ryan, I think, missed him on a right. bomb uh, as well. Uh, so I, I, f- I feel pretty confident with Jones. Uh, he finished the game last week, uh, and just I think he was just getting some rest this week. He should come out and, and play well against Dallas. By the way, just a, a mini rant for you. Everybody that listens to this podcast on a consistent basis knows that I'm a, a long-suffering Atlanta Falcons fan. Um, that killed me when Julio dropped that pass last week, but I kind of just shrugged my shoulders and said, you know what, that's that's really what the Falcon season's been all about. That sums it up. Four and four, Julio Jones dropping easy touchdown passes. But I, I found it kind of stupid that uh, Panthers fans this week, John, I don't know if you saw this, a lot of them were tweeting out, do the Julio. And when Julio dropped that pass, he kind of stayed down, face down in the end zone for a second or two. And now Carolina Panther fans have been doing that in like their office settings and stuff. They'll just lay face down and do hashtag Dooley Julio. Uh, I wonder where that was when he posted 300 freaking yards last year against the Panthers. And he caught that that touchdown and he had 12, 12 catches for, for, uh, for a 300 piece. That's all I'm going to say. So how about you do, how about you do that, Julio? All right. Um, so move, moving on here, Chris Hogan, here's your update on Chris Hogan. And I, I do have Hogan in our, our league long year, John, and he re, he remains sidelined at, pra, at practice on Friday. Doesn't look like he's going to suit up against the Broncos. Danny Amendola figures, figures to benefit from that, but I don't trust Danny Amendola either. 
I think Amendola is a decent play. This is a short week. We have four um, four teams on by, uh, so owners are scrambling a little bit. And I think, especially in PPR formats, you could probably uh, feel fairly confident about Amendola. He's dealing with his own injury, but um, with with Hogan out, his snaps will be up. Uh, Philip Dorsett's snaps will be up. It's hard to trust him. He's been uh, his playing time has been really spotty. Uh, although he did have a uh, some moments there for the Patriots, he's a desperation type start if if Hogan sits, which it looks like he will. Martellus Bennett, this is a weird situation. He was claimed off the off waivers by the Patriots on Thursday. He was let go by your Packers with a failure to disclose a medical condition designation. So the Packers release him. The Patriots pick him up on waivers. So he returns to New England, but he's got a torn rotator cuff. Would you, if you have a roster spot, would you pick him up and store him, or is just forget it, let him go? This is a, a lost year for Bennett. Uh, not probably not at the position that he's at. It's a onesie position, so you don't have a whole lot of need to to have a backup tight end at this point when you're through your buy. If you have your tight end, he's rolling pretty well. Or if you're streaming the position, um, you don't need to use two roster spots on on tight ends. If you're in a tight end premium league or, you know, really, really deep league, then maybe pick him up. I mean, he had some good games for the Patriots last year. And I think he actually played a little bit better with Gronkowski in the lineup. So, um, and he's, a, he's a player who could step in and produce right away. Dwayne Allen has, I don't think he's caught a pass this year for the Patriots after being the, uh, replacement for Bennett. So, you know, clearly they're not happy with his production. Um, but, just given the nature of the position in most leagues, you you don't need to pick pick up uh, Martellus Bennett right now. All right, moving on to Charles Clay and Jordan Reed here, John. Charles Clay is questionable. He hasn't played since week five. And then you've got Jordan Reed, who did practice yesterday. He was limited, but he did he he has practiced on that hamstring injury. I have Reed in the league. I'm I'm confident that he that he'll play. Do you feel the same way? And what about Charles Clay? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Reed's probably going to play. He has a hamstring, so you just wonder how explosive, how how good he'll be. I, I wouldn't rank him where I, I would normally rank him if he were completely fully healthy and not on the injury report, which is uh, fairly far and few between at this point in his career. Um, but you know, a short week, you probably need to start Reed if he's if he's uh, on your roster, unless you have a really good option ahead of him. And then uh, Charles Clay, I think will be fine to play. Uh, John McDermott said that he was quote, looking good uh, to play on Sunday. Um, he was the number four uh, fancy tight end through the first four or five weeks. However long his first healthy few healthy games, he was number four fancy tight end. So I think he'll, he'll, he'll be a, he'll be ranked as a tight end one, a low end tight end one. Um, if healthy this, or if he's able to play this week, uh, I think he's worth the risk at home with Tyrod Taylor, uh, who throws more touchdowns at home, is more productive at home. And whenever Clay's been in the lineup over the last season and a half, uh, he's been productive. Let's talk about Jameis Winston. This is not good. We knew he had the shoulder injury, but now we know that he also visited Dr. James Andrews on Tuesday. Winston calls it standard protocol, but look, anytime you're facing, anytime you're, you're meeting with Dr. James Andrews, the injury has to be serious. What are your thoughts on Winston and then the ramifications here? We know that Mike Evans has been suspended one game for his role in that altercation last Sunday in New Orleans. But just your overall thoughts on Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, this is a downgrade from Winston to Fitzpatrick. Uh, Fitzpatrick is capable of posting uh, solid fantasy numbers uh, for a stretch here Um, without Mike Evans, it's a little dicey this week, although he has a good matchup. Fitzpatrick does against the Jets. 
Um, and, you know, I'm assuming that Winston's going to miss uh, two, three, maybe four games with this, trying to get this shoulder, um, you know, sorted out. Um, the, uh, you know, the Buccaneers are currently sitting at two and six. So I don't know if they're still having uh, playoff hopes at this point or, you know, you get into three or four weeks and maybe they lose two or three more games They're you know, they've lost eight or nine games. Do they even bother to bring Winston back if it's a, if it's a injury that he could um, aggravate by, by returning to play. So this is a pretty dicey situation for Winston owners. I would definitely keep somebody. Um, I probably at this point would just stream the position because Winston have, hasn't played well enough to, to warrant a, a bench spot uh, if he's going to be out for two or three weeks plus. Uh, let's start. It's kind of a similar question with Teddy Bridgewater. He's actually practicing in full ahead of the Week 10 matchup for the Redskins. Now, he's not going to play, but he will be available. If Case Keenum slips up at all, we could see the Vikings turn back to their former first-round first pick. Sam Bradford obviously also been placed on um, the IR list, so he's not coming back. What are your thoughts on Bridgewater returning? Uh, not, a, not a huge upgrade from Case Keenum, but I think he's an upgrade nonetheless. Yeah, I think he's better than Case Keenum. And, you know, he has Stefan Diggs, he has Adam Thielen, he has Kyle Rudolph, um, he has Jarek McKinnon, a good pass catching running backs, lots of weapons there in Minnesota. This is a team that uh, has uh, Super Bowl aspirations, so they're going to be playing to win. Um, so I think looking over the last half of the season, Bridgewater is a decent option for those owners who lost Aaron Rodgers, like my son Max, who uh, insisted on drafting Aaron Rodgers in the first round of his fantasy <laughs> draft. Uh, he's, he, is seven, he is seven and two, so he's doing really well. But uh, we've been streaming the quarterback uh, you know, position, and Bridgewater is definitely somebody, somebody that we have our eye on um, uh, as a possible pickup. Uh, I, don't know if, I don't think he'll start this week. It looks like it's going to be Keenan for another week. And then next week, it's the Rams. Um, they're number two in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So that's a really tough matchup. But then after that, he's got Detroit and Atlanta back to back, uh, Cincinnati and green Bay week 15, week 16. Those are all mediocre matchups and, and Bridgewater could post some points. Um, given the, the weapons that he has there in Minnesota. I got to ask you, I've known you for a long time and I could just see you sitting there with Max on draft night and him insisting to take Aaron Rodgers, And you're like, okay. And just give him yep. kind of like this. All right. I wouldn't do it. Your funeral. Yeah, it was, thankfully it was, uh, it was, you make your, what's it called? Auto, auto draft. So we made our, uh, draft rankings and I go, do you want, do you want to guarantee that you get Aaron Rodgers? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We could, we could win this league even with you drafting a quarterback in the first round. And so far we're doing pretty well. We can, we, <laughs> we can win this league, even though you're making a, a huge <laughs> mistake with your life right now, Max. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's get to Matt Forte. Then we'll, we'll talk about some sneaky starts that you have. doesn't look like Matt Forte is going to play against the Buccaneers on Sunday. He remained sidelined at Friday's practice. That's three straight did-not-practices for him. Powell, a uh, pretty good option this week? Yeah, he's a real good option. Um, you know, week four when Forte missed. Forte missed two games, and Bilal Powell was healthy for one of them. He got injured in the second one. So the, in week four, he had 25 touches for 190 yards and a touchdown. He played 66% of the snaps, so that's – just a fantastic outing. Uh, Elijah McGuire also participated uh, or produced in that game. 12 touches, 131 yards, and a touchdown for him. So he did more than participate there. Uh, week five was tougher. They faced the Browns, who actually have a really good rush defense. He uh, Powell got injured. I think he injured his calf in that game. He had six touches for 33 yards. 
um, in that game. He played 32% of the snaps. So, the, you know, he played about half a game. And then uh, McGuire finished with uh, 30 yards uh, on 13 touches. So this was a, uh, a tougher outing for the two of them. Um, I think this week with the Bucks coming in, the Bucks have uh, given up uh, big games to Alvin Kamara, uh, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson. Those three have combined for 408 total yards and five touchdowns you know, in three games. Uh, and the only team that the Bucks were able to hold down was the Carolina uh, running game, which is, uh, you know, Jonathan Stewart, I think is sub uh, three yards per carry. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is not running the ball terribly well either. So um, this is a good matchup. Uh, and I, and I like Powell, especially, I think he'll see the lead back touches in what should be a competitive game there in uh, Tampa. Before we get to John's sneaky starts for week 10, I want to tell you about Draft. It's not too late to download the highest rated fantasy football app called Draft. You play in a real live snake drafts. Here's the, here's the best part. You're under, you're done in under five minutes. It's just for one week. So you don't have to worry about injuries affecting your starters and picking up, you know, scouring the waiver wire and all that stuff. All you have to do, start a new draft every single week. It's a lot of fun. Takes you a couple minutes. You can get one right now for the Sunday action and Monday action for week 10. The best part is you can play for cold, hard cash and get this. Your chances of winning are actually 80% better than on those salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into our real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code 4 for 4 so you can play in a real money game for free just using our promo code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. Get this. It's even better. Draft is so sure that you're going to love their offer. They're also ex- including an offer for the most accurate podcast listeners, which is a money-back guarantee of up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and play for free right now using our promo code 4 for 4 Sneaky starts time. Let's start off with Eli Manning. I'm, I'm a little surprised you liked Eli, given some of the, the mentions that he could be benched this week, but obviously he's got a good matchup. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to bench him, but maybe they, eh, who knows? This is a good matchup against the, the 49ers. He's had a rough year, um, but he's taught, he, he's tossed uh, two touchdowns, at least two touchdowns in four of his last six games. Uh, the 49ers are 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, the last time that Manning had a favorable matchup, what I call a green matchup, uh, you know, adjusted fantasy points allowed, he threw for 288 yards and two touchdowns uh, on the Buccaneers in week four. Of course, uh, Odell Beckham was he- healthy then, but at least he has Sterling Sh- uh, Shepard um, in, the, in the lineup now. I think he uh, is able to produce a decent fantasy line in a, in a short week for fantasy owners. All right, Theo Riddick. Riddick is uh, – he had, he had a long catch uh, last week against my Packers, <laughs> um, which uh, – Frustrated me to, to no end. They needed to stop, and he had a sixty-yard uh, dump off uh, pass catch for pass catch and run uh, to kind of seal the game there for the Lions. Um, the, as I mentioned earlier, the Browns are, are pretty good against the rush. I think they're sub uh, three yards allowed per uh, per carry on the season. Um, so you know Amir Abdullah probably has trouble running the ball, and you know maybe they use Riddick a little bit more as a pass catcher and try to use that as an extension of the. Uh, of the running game is, you know, a short, short passing game is the extension of the running game and, and move the ball that way, move the chains that way. Maybe he sees four or five, six catches uh, against the Browns. All right. You list a couple of wide receivers here. You have Tavares King, Marquise Goodwin, Aldrick Robinson, Robinson, Adam Humphreys, and Chris Goodwin, uh, Chris Godwin, excuse me. 
explain a couple, just set a couple sentence on, sentences on each guy and why you like him as sneaky starts. Yeah, for the Tampa guys, uh, Humphreys is, is pretty interesting. Uh, Fitzpatrick uh, has a tendency to uh, target him when he's in for, for the Buccaneers. Uh, so in a PPR, in a deep PPR league, I think Humphreys is a good play. Uh, Godwin probably sees the bigger jump in snaps with Mike Evans out. So that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if that's going to necessarily result in production, but he's going to be on the field probably three times as much as he was. Um, Goodwin and Robinson are, uh, are decent plays due to their big playability. They might, you know, catch an ADR touchdown for you um, due, due to their speed. Um, Pierre Garcon is out obviously, uh, and the, and the giants, uh, have a burnable corner in Eli Apple. So both of these guys will probably end up on him for a few snaps. And I, I would think that the 49ers would target uh, him and try to, to make a play over his head, uh, once or twice in this game. And that could result uh, in a good fantasy day for, for one or one or both of these guys. And then Tavares King, um, he actually saw six targets last week. Um, and that was, twice as many targets as what Roger Lewis saw. And I think the conventional wisdom was that Roger Lewis was going to uh, be the this number two receiver there for the giants with uh, Brandon Marshall and uh, Odell Beckham out. But it was, uh, it was King that was get, kind of getting peppered with targets there. He had three catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. He got, had another red zone or end zone uh, target as well. That fell short. I believe he played 51, 52% of the snaps. He played 85% of the snaps back in week six, 100% of the snaps in week seven. Uh, against tough matchups, Denver and Seattle, and predictably didn't do anything. But this is, uh, you know, not as tough of a, a matchup against the the 49ers. And as I mentioned, uh, Eli Manning's probably going to throw one or two touchdowns, and maybe one of them goes to King. Speaking of the 49ers, you list Garrett Selleck as one of your options at tight end. The other option is the drop machine, Eric Ebron. <laughs> uh, Garrett Selleck is in as the starter with George Kittle, uh, out for week 10. Uh, the Giants are last in the league in uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They've been la- allowing tight ends to go off on them all all year. Um, so Selleck, I think, has a chance for a good fantasy day. Uh, I think three for 40 and a touchdown, uh, maybe with or without the touchdowns, the floor. Uh, but, you know, he could have a bigger day, uh, especially if the Giants jump out to a lead, which is possible. Uh, this is probably going to be a competitive game throughout. So uh, I would expect, you know, Selleck to see the sort of usage that, that Kittle was seeing prior to his injury. And then Ebron, this is another matchup play. The Browns are second to last in the league and adjusted point, fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, Ebron has been named a captain this week. So uh, I don't know what that means, uh, but I saw <laughs> people reporting that on Twitter. And, it, you know, maybe it sounds like he's having uh, – bouncing back and having some good practices and the team is looking at him uh, as an ascending leader. Uh, We'll see. Uh, He has 10 combined targets in the last two games, which is not bad. Uh, 93 total yards in those two games. Uh, So he's been out there, uh, uh, but this is really about the the Browns and how they've been ineffective against uh, the tight end position. They're also pretty tough on receivers. So this is sort of a pass funnel defense into the middle of the field where I think Riddick and I think Ebron uh, can do some damage over the middle. Let's list some defensive streaming options for owners this week. And you you have a couple of them here. We'll start off with the lions who are on the road against the Browns. Yeah, I'll just run, I'll just run through my list here is (laughs) from, from best to least excited uh, streaming options. Uh, The lions against Cleveland at home, 
is a nice matchup. The Lions are better defense than they have been in years past, and that's a pretty good matchup, uh, clearly against Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, the Bears at home, uh, they've scored several touchdowns this year on the defensive side of the ball. They, they're facing uh, Brett Hundley and the Packers, who can't really move the ball very well. That's a, a good spot for them. Uh, the Jets I have at 10, um, you know, at Tampa with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. Um, you know, he's capable of throwing, you know, multi-pick. We don't have uh, Mike Evans in the in the lineup either, so that's going to hamper them. Uh, the Bucks have had trouble running the ball, so this is a setting up for the Jets to have a pretty good day defensively. The Saints have been a good fantasy defense. I have them at 11. Uh, this is a road game, but they've had a couple good uh, road performances this year uh, The fantasy de- as, as far as being a fantasy defense. Uh, they had a really bad game against uh, the Vikings, but bounced back. Uh, the next two home games, I think one of them against the Dolphins. I forget the next one, but they were both double-digit scoring games for that fantasy defense, and and Buffalo is not, uh, you know, a, a real tough matchup for opposing fantasy defenses. And then the Washington Redskins uh, at home against Case Keenum. Uh, the, this is not a good matchup according to our numbers, but um, I like the Redskins in this spot as a, as a fringe uh, starter play for on the defensive side of the ball. And then finally, the Titans. I think at home uh, against uh, Andy Dalton. Uh, the, the the Bengals offensive line has struggled. So if the Titans are able to put up some sacks, maybe there's a fumble, maybe there's a pick, um, a pick six. Uh, this is a good spot for the Titans as well. All right, John, good stuff as always. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter. Appreciate you listening to the Most Accurate Podcast this week. Good luck in all of your fantasy leagues, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. We'll look uh, look at some of the, the more pertinent in- issues for fantasy football owners and then preview a little bit of that Monday night football game. Until then, we'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast.